Pauline, give me some of your tots. I ate his liver with some fava beans. Nice candy. Combo, pan fry, deep fry, stir fry. Yummy! Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Cooking Show. I am your host, Bob, and uh, welcome to uh, your favorite culinary audio entertainment unit. <laughs> you know, whenever the um, like Food Network and other, you know, did Julia Child, Yan Ken Cook, those types of things came up, you know, in the, well, I guess Julia Child was way back there. But, you know, at the, at the dawning of cooking-related media, I think people probably would have been like, what was this is like about food? But you can't smell it, you can't taste it, you just watch somebody make it. That seems weird. So I'm taking it an additional step where you can't smell it, you can't taste it, you can't see it. I mean, you can because I have the imager albums with the, the photographs, but in this part of the pipeline, you can't even see it. You just listen to me tell you how to make it. And I, don't worry, I know that it's dumb, but I like to do it and... If you're hearing me ramble on about this, uh, you at least uh, like it enough. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, yeah, look, we're in the middle of a really substantial cold snap here. I think this morning it was like 14 degrees, eh, which is a little rough whenever you got to go take care of the livestock and all that kind of stuff. But let me tell you what, it is super comfortable when you're inside. You got the fire going. It's nice and cozy. And you're just making delicious food that you really can't justify eating any other time of the year. You know, you're not going to make, you're not going to make a pot roast 4th of July weekend. This one that I'm making this week, it's called a chocolate chess pie. All right. Which uh, the chocolate part is integral to what it is because a chess pie by itself is, uh, you know, it's like a custard pie with no fruit. And looking online, reading some history of it, like today, like now, we think of chess pie as being a Southern thing. At least I do. Oh, no, actually, I don't, because I didn't know what this was until uh, I decided to make it. <laughs> but I was thinking of it as like a Southern thing. And Southern food, as much as I like all different categories of culinary delights, Southern food, Southern U.S., Southeastern United States food is uh, I enjoy it, but I don't really have a lot of experience with it. So I found this chess pie, and I was like, man, why, why why is it so important to call it a chocolate chess pie? And then looking at it, I was like, okay, chess pie was uh, actually a, a New England and mid-Atlantic type of thing back in the uh, back in the colonial days, I guess. And the origin of the 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 name. Mm, it's one of those disputed things. You know, some people say that it's because it was called chest pie, C-H-E-S-T, because it just used whatever you had in the in the chest or the pa pantry. You know, it's just kind of a leftover pie. Not leftover, but scavenging ingredients and throwing it together and making a pie. Another one was that when it kind of moved into the southern U.S., they altered it a little bit, you know, put their own flair on it. And somebody, some some woman made it and said, it's just pie. But with that southern twang, sounded like chess pie. Well, okay. Well, we're doing a chocolate version of this, a chocolate chess pie. And in terms of what it is, like whenever it's done, I mean, I'm not going to use a flowery language. This is essentially a brownie with a pie crust. 
and you know doing it homemade with all the all the ingredients you know not using a brownie mix i mean that's ridiculous but doing it homemade puts a little extra pizzazz onto it and what's cool is if you want to make this you certainly can do it exactly the same way or whatever with one caveat i did screw up the crust and i'll tell, tell you about that in a minute but the filling that you use to make this can be done by itself like you can just make this as homemade brownies and let me tell you what it's really good this filling is incredible it's so it's dense and soft and squishy and gooey but it's not squishy the way a custard would be even though that this this type of pie evolves out of essentially a custard pie which would be nice and jelly-like consistency but with the with the addition of the chocolate and everything it really settles down into a, a soft brownie filling, okay? So go ahead and take a look at the show notes. I'll have the recipe for everything. We'll probably break it out into the, the pie dough recipe along with all the caveats because I messed mine up and um, in, the, in the chocolate filling and then they could be done individually. You could use a pre-bought uh, crust. You could use a different crust you do like a graham cracker crust or something like that now at that point is it still a chess pie maybe not i don't know like i said until three days ago i had never heard of this so but that chocolate filling you can definitely um use that as just a brownie recipe okay all right so go ahead and check out those show notes and uh, you'll see the the recipe for the individual uh, components of this the imager album for, you know, the step-by-step -step pictures, including, you know, what not to do whenever you make your crust. And I definitely think we're not going to have any special ingredients or special equipment or anything like that. I mean, if you have a, st a stand mixer, that would definitely behoove you, you know, just it, it makes it makes dough making a little bit easier. But for the filling, I just used a big mixing bowl and a hand whisk, and that'll work fine. And let's see here. Well, I guess we'll start with the actual ingredients for the pie dough and well, another thing another reason why this was a recipe that kind of called to me was that the pie dough includes uh, a very small amount one and a half teaspoons of apple cider vinegar and i just strained and bottled my homemade apple cider vinegar last week so i'm using everything salad dressings i did like a pulled pork thing made some homemade coleslaw. I don't know what else I've used. <laughs> I made it like a, a sauce for pork chops using apple cider vinegar, but I'm trying to find places to stick that in as many dishes as possible because it's really good and it's kind of cool. You know, like I fermented the apple cider to make like a hard cider. I started off, I was going to make like an apple wine or an apple champagne. And then I decided, oh, I don't really want that. Uh -huh. So I inoculated it with, um, what is it, like an acetobacter bacteria and then let it ferment and age for like two years. And then I have this really delicious apple cider vinegar. Um, so that is in the crust. We have our crust is three tablespoons of very cold water. One and a half teaspoons of apple cider vinegar, uh, a half cup of ice, a half cup of very cold unsalted butter, and you can cut that into little cubes. So if you're using sticks of butter, cut them lengthwise, kind of bifurcate them, flip them over, and then cut them lengthwise again so you get all these little half inch, quarter inch cubes. Um, that'll be good. One and a quarter cups of all-purpose flour, one and a half teaspoons of granulated sugar, and a half teaspoon of kosher salt. And what we're gonna do is combine the cold water 
the apple cider vinegar and the ice, kind of mix them up together and let those sit. And then we're going to use that as the, the liquid portion of the crust. Now for making your pie dough, start off with uh, whisking together the dry stuff, right? The flour, the sugar, the salt. Whisk it all together and then put it in your stand mixer. And I use the paddle attachment for this rather than the dough hook because it's it's like a biscuit type of um, consistency. If you use the dough hook, all it's going to do is just sort of swirl around the ingredients and it's not going to incorporate the butter into the dough. Okay. So get the, the paddle in there and get it started on like medium or not medium, uh, low to medium low. So like maybe on like a two. Okay. And then add all of your butter all at one time and then let that run for a little bit. What is, what it'll do is by just batting that those butter chunks around within the, the flour mixture, it will incorporate it in a way that's like a shaggy crumbly sort of mixture. After three to five minutes of doing this and you don't want to do it too long because the the action the agitation will warm up the butter and you don't want it to warm up too much and temperature control is where i messed up and i I knew that i was messing up but i was like yeah how bad could it be Eh, it wasn't terrible but it certainly wasn't pretty it's kind of ugly and it kind of made it so that what was the point of making the crust anyway you know what i mean So after three to five minutes of pulverizing this stuff together you're going to have this i don't know like wet sand sort of uh, consistency And then we're going to add our liquid into this dough. And we're not going to add it all. You're going to do like four tablespoons. So you start off, you had a half cup of ice. You had some, I don't remember how much water, three tablespoons of water, and then one and a half uh, tablespoons of the apple cider vinegar. That's going to produce more than four tablespoons of actual liquid, but it'll have a nice uh, acidity ratio and also be very cold. So we're going to add four tablespoons to this mixture. And that should help it to start coming together into uh, clumps of dough. It may not form a ball in the uh, in the bowl of the mixer, but it will aggregate more or less. And then after you've added four tablespoons, you let it go for a little bit more than like two, three minutes. And if it's really not coming together at all, then you can add a, more water, more of that water liquid mixture, uh, a tablespoon at a time until it just sort of gathers and comes together. And it will be dense and solid, dense enough and solid enough that it shouldn't like get all wrapped up in the paddle attachment. It's not like you're going to have to like use your fingers to squeegee all the dough off of the paddle attachment. Um, the paddle attachment should stay pretty clean because you're just sort of like shoveling this all around in the bowl. Once it starts to come together, uh, you can turn it out onto a cutting board and then very quickly with your hands kind of work it all together. So you get it all mushed together into a ball, wrap it in some saran wrap, and then put it into uh, the freezer. Get it in the freezer for, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, and then move it out of the freezer and into the refrigerator for an hour. And if you listened to last week's episode about making the croissants, this was kind of a standard process as we laminated the dough with the butter. And it's actually the reason why I just, I set aside the temperature controls on this because one, last week I spent like 30 hours, you know, doing this stuff to make croissants. They turned out fantastic. I did not want to do that this weekend. I was also making a bunch of other things for dinner, like pulled pork, uh, coleslaw, some other things. And I kind of wanted to be done with the cooking for everything at the same time. So once I got this ball of dough, I wrapped it up in saran wrap. I put it in the fridge and then I went about making other parts of dinner and then pulled it out. Uh, it 
didn't didn't chill enough at that point. And then once I rolled the dough out and put it in the pie pan, I did not chill it sufficiently after that. Now, what happens if you don't chill your pie crust dough enough prior to baking? Well, because your dough is overwhelmingly comprised of butter, what you want to do is you want to have it nice and cold. So when you put it in the oven, the surface of it, like the the butter flour mixture, starts to cook due to the ambient temperature in the oven before the dough like warms up all the way through. So it's like you you get like a shell, like a, a crust. You get a crust on your crust. You get a, a protective layer of cooked crust before the crust is all the way cooked through. And if you do it when it's not cold enough, that butter just starts to melt. And because your crust hasn't been kneaded and you haven't like worked the gluten proteins into these long chains and made it stretchy, there's nothing really to hold it together. So what happens is that butter melts and it's just butter and flour at that point and it kind of will just sink to the bottom and along the edges uh, of your pie pan, pie tin, I just have like a ceramic pie pan, um, there won't be enough structural integrity to hold it up there. So what will happen is your dough will just kind of like fall apart around the edges. Whatever. Not a big deal. It just it just ends up not being pretty at the end. So anyway, uh, what do we do? We, we refrigerate that, that dough for an hour and then you bring your dough out. You flour your counter and, and then you're going to roll it out with the, uh, with the rolling pin. I did use the technique from last week of beating the dough out. So... Uh, rather than overworking it with the uh, with the rolling pin and then warming it up and stuff like that to keep it a little bit cooler and also to get a little bit of agitation in there and develop some of the proteins a little bit, you can beat it out with your rolling pin and then roll it intermittently. So you do that, roll it out so that um, it is larger than the diameter of your pie pan. I think I have a picture in that album of like holding the pie pan inverted over the, the rolled out dough. And that lets you know that it's going to fit. <laughs> and then you, you, you flour your rolling pin, roll the dough up on the rolling pin, and then unroll it over your pie pan. And then you can just with your fingers work it down into the edges and along the, the fluted edge or whatever. And at this point, I knew, I was like, ah, oh, this is, there's no way that this is cold enough. Um, it's very easily worked and soft and uh, whenever, we're just going to charge ahead anyway, because I don't want to be doing this all night. <laughs> but once you've rolled it out and put it into your pie pan, at that point, you want to refrigerate it for at least an hour and then maybe put it in the freezer for like 15 minutes beforehand. Gets it real nice and firm and dense and then and then we'll bake it. And what we're going to do is we are actually going to pre-bake the crust so that uh, it's essentially done and then we'll fill it afterwards. So to bake the crust, we're going to preheat the oven to 350 degrees and just on the middle rack, put the uh, crust in there and bake it for approximately 35 minutes. And it should be, I don't know, uh, you always hear golden brown. And I guess that would that would work in this in this case, golden brown. Um, but it's not dark. It's just sort of like a prepared pie crust at this point. So once you've baked it for 35 minutes, you can remove the pie crust and put it on a rack in the pan and let it cool while you pr produce the chocolate filling for this chess pie. For the chocolate filling, we are actually, we're, we're infusing the chocolate flavor into this in two, two ways. One, we're going to use some cocoa powder, 
which will, you know, obviously make it chocolatey. But then we're also in a double boiler. We're going to melt together dark chocolate and butter to make a nice chocolatey, saucy type of thing that will get mixed in with everything else. It'll be very chocolatey and very dense. So our chocolate chess pie filling is three quarters of a cup of unsalted butter. This, you don't have to cut into the tiny little cubes, but I would cut it into like the um, the tablespoon markers, you know, so you have a bunch of pats of butter. Um, that'll just make it easy. It'll, it'll melt a little quicker in the um, double boiler and it'll incorporate better with the dark chocolate. The dark chocolate is going to be three ounces of dark chocolate, which is actually very close to three quarters of a cup if you're using, like I use those little... Um, dark chocolate gems like they're they're almost they're not nonpareils exactly they're not morsels but they're they're shaped like tiny little rollos three quarters of a cup of that came out to almost exactly three ounces so we're gonna use that for this you're gonna be looking at chocolate that is 60 to 70 percent cocoa cacao uh content you can go if you go up to like 90 percent it might be a little harder to get it to melt together and it might be a little bit too bitter um, but there is, we're going to have a lot of sugar in this as well. One and a half cups of granulated sugar, which whenever you look at the pictures and you see that when I have all these ingredients laid out on the, I think did I did these on a marble slab, I believe it's a lot of sugar, you know, and this is one of those things like why it's good to cook for yourself, make things at home, make them homemade. It's not necessarily so that you can make them more healthy, you know? It's not like we're gonna, oh, let's make it low sugar or something like that. It's so that you can actually see how much sugar and butter you're putting into this and then that let that guide you into your portion sizes and the, and the vigor with which you eat the final product, you know? Because I remember the small mountain of granulated sugar on the, on the marble slab before it got all incorporated into this filling. Okay, so one and a half cups of granulated sugar three large eggs, two tablespoons of cocoa powder, and uh, obviously that's going to be unsweetened. I don't know, do they actually sell sweetened cocoa powder? I don't know, but you'll have enough sugar in there. You want that to be unsweetened. A teaspoon of vanilla extract and a half a teaspoon of salt. Kosher salt be fine. All right, so to make the filling, first, if you have a double boiler, that's great. I have a real nice all-clad one with like the ceramic insert. You get some water in there, you heat it up to like a simmer, you put the insert in there, and then start with the butter and dark chocolate mixed together. And with a like a silicone spatula, you just work that so it melts slowly and incorporates, you know, very easily. It takes, I don't know, five, 10 minutes to get it all nice and glossy and, and melted. If you don't have a double boiler, if you have a like a, a stainless steel mixing bowl that can fit into a, a saucepan, you can do the same thing. Just you don't want the, the water hitting the bottom of the, the thing that you're melting the stuff in. You just want it to be like a steamy heat warming up the, the inset bowl, okay? So you get you get your butter, your dark chocolate in there, and you're heating it up, you're stirring it around very gently and incorporating everything. After about 10 minutes, this will be um, nice and silky smooth. And at that point, you can remove the insert and set it on a wire rack. It'll cool down considerably while you do the rest of this, but it won't cool down enough that it's going to solidify. You're not going to have like a buttery chocolate bar in the bottom there. It'll remain liquid. Mix together all of your other ingredients. So what do we got here? We've got sugar, eggs, cocoa powder, vanilla, and salt. 
get those into a bowl, mix them together, and whisk them vigorously by hand, or you can use a hand mixer or whatever, and that's going to turn into a nice, um, a nice sludgy, brown, sugary, viscous liquid, which doesn't sound super-duper appealing or appetizing, but it looks very delicious. Looks like brownie mix. <laughs> and then what you want to do is take your, your butter and dark chocolate mixer mixture ugh, and drizzle that into this uh, egg, sugar, cocoa powder mixture while whisking it. It will have cooled down sufficiently. Like if it's still like warm, you know, like ambiently warm or not ambiently, like comfort, comfortable to the touch. You can dip your finger in it and it's not hot, but it's not like refrigerated cold. That's fine. It's not going to cook the eggs or anything like that. You don't have to really be too cautious about like tempering these together, but you should do it anyway, because then it'll get it mixed up sufficiently. So you're drizzling that in while whisking it together. And then at the end, you use a, a spatula or whatever to get everything off the sides into the bowl and then do a final whisk there. And it's going to look like brownie mix because that's essentially what it is. All right. Now you have your cold pie crust there. You can just dump all of this right into, right into the pie crust, and it will be relatively shallow in the pie crust. It's not going to fill it up to the top. When we bake this, because it has all the eggs and the sugar and it's, it's, it's whisked together to a very, uh, what would you call it, like a homogenous texture, it will rise up like a souffle and then fall back down as, as it's removed from the heat. And when it falls back down, it will probably get a nice cracked uh, surface, at least around where the filling meets the crust. But, you know, sometimes right through the middle also. And it's very attractive because you'll have the, the smooth, I don't want to say hard because it's not hard, but, you know, like a, a dry, smooth, hard uh, top to it and a really um, gooey, sludgy interior. Okay, so just like brownies. So you we're going to put it into the 350 degree oven. You just keep the oven preheated from when you make the crust. And we're going to bake that for, you know, almost an hour. Maybe, maybe, maybe set the timer for 50 minutes and then see where you are at that point and go like 55. I, I think my total bake time was 55 minutes and it worked out fine. And when you do that, the center of it, if you, you kind of shake the, the whole pie, it might get a little wave action in there. Like it might appear a little jiggly. But once it comes out of the oven and it cools, everything will settle down and it'll get nice and dense and it will hold together very nicely. Uh, my recommendation is to let this cool at least as close to room temperature as you can. You don't have to put it in the fridge. You put it in the fridge, it'll, it'll cool down and it'll get very dense. If you just put it on a wire rack and let it rest for, I don't know, like two hours, two hours-ish, it might be slightly warm to the touch but it won't, it won't fall apart whenever you, you serve a slice out of it. You want it to hold together nicely and firm up. And uh, tell you what, fantastic. The, the flavor, I mean, it's, it is chocolate. It is chocolate on top of chocolate on top of chocolate. It is chocolate all the way with a nice uh, buttery dry crust to it, which even though my crust like fell apart uh, during the pre-baking, it still tasted good. It was still delicious. And like I said, you could even do it without a crust. You could do it with a graham cracker crust. You could do it with whatever you want to do. You're basically making brownies <laughs> and calling it chess pie, which if, if that isn't um, something that is local to wherever you live, it's not a thing that you're familiar with, then, oh, it's, it's, it's unique and novel. 
but it's you can't go wrong with brownies. All right. So that's a chocolate chess pie this week. Uh, give it a shot. It is fantastic. I think we have a snowstorm. Eh, I don't know. It's, it's hard to call it a snowstorm. We're supposed to get like three inches of snow tonight. So, you know, maybe you're not going to run out and grab these ingredients, but those ingredients are super duper simple. You probably already have them in the chest, in the pantry. Ha <laughs> ha, look at that. It is aptly named. Well, thanks a lot for listening to my dessert cooking, and we'll talk to you guys next week.